Today's Bible reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, the good thing about that Bible reading is in about four days' time, you'll be able to impress everyone and say, I can remember every single part of the Bible reading we had on Sunday morning in church. That's pretty good, isn't it? So everyone be super impressed with that. Okay, I've got a quick question. Uh, I want you just to turn to your neighbor. The theme today is how to host a happy hour. And we're going to dig into that a bit. Uh, but um, here's the question. How do you host a happy hour? That the idea of the phrase of a happy hour is one that can be uh, quite fun. Uh, I've got a photo I'm going to show you on the screen of uh, me with a friend. Uh, we were out, and it was St. Patrick's Day, and it was this Irish pub, Jameson sign, and on the sign it says Irish flu shots pointing into the pub, uh, which I thought was quite funny, so I enjoyed that. Um, but also, uh, the idea of a happy hour can be something that feels uh, more dark. It can be something where, you know, you've perhaps been with friends, colleagues, where people are going out to lit- intentionally to get drunk, to get plastered in order to perhaps to escape things that are going on in their lives, maybe pain or hurt or anguish, or they're just, you know, stressed out, whatever the cause is. You see that happen. And um, I think this notion of happy hour can be something which is anything other than happy. And... Um, we watch this stuff go on, and I don't know if you're the same as me, and you're thinking, I wonder what's driving this behavior. I wonder what's going on there. And um, as a follower of Jesus, we find ourselves in a, in a tricky dilemma. Is how do we respond to that sort of behavior, whether it's the literal happy hour, going to get drunk, or we see other similar types of behavior in other realms of life, don't we? It's a metaphor for something. Um, how do we respond? And I think there's kind of two responses that Christians followers of Jesus tend to fall into. One, and you can describe them as being, we go for high distinction or high connection. The high distinction mode is where we say, uh, as a follower of Jesus, I'm meant to carry something of the holiness of God within me. So, you know, I want to honor God. I want to represent his glory and and his majesty, that he is a a holy God. There's something different about him. There's different sort of standards about who God is. And I I want to represent that well, faithfully, uh, to live a life of integrity. But the problem can come if we go too far, push the pendulum too far that way, is that um, our mind begins to shut down our heart and we shift into judgmentalism. Uh, if we overemphasize being highly distinctive, we forget that we're called to win hearts rather than arguments. And we start to operate in a manner which is quite kind of pointy-fingered and, and getting at people. We forget that Jesus, Jesus ministered out of compassion uh, to those vulnerable, broken people he found around him. So we want to be distinctive, but there's something that counterbalances that. And so maybe we revert the other way in the pendulum to the being high connection. By high connection, what that means is we desire to relate to the culture around us, to our friends, to build depth of friendships, to, to help people feel comfortable and welcome and, and drawn in. And, 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 you know, we really love people well. We minister out of a heart of compassion and, and mercy and grace. Uh, and yet the, the temptation can be, if we, if we push that pendulum too far, uh, our compassion Uh, actually can shift and we can end up moving into what is more like compromise. And uh, we erase our convictions in order to embrace uh, the broken around us. So what that looks like is um, we forget that 
Yes, we're meant to hang out with lost people, but that doesn't mean we have to take on their attitudes or their values. Uh, we think that somehow, um, uh, it, in order to, to draw someone to Jesus, we have to fully take on their principles. And actually, that's a mistake when we think like that, because part of the point of following Jesus and the way we help people is not by taking on their attitudes if they're far from the Lord. We need to love them with great compassion, but we still operate out of a Jesus-centered set of values and worldview. And it's very hard to, to get this balance together of being both high distinction and high connection. And as, as I've thought about this, as I've watched people who do this well, um, I think what this leads us into is perhaps a deeper issue, uh, and that is, uh, it's an issue of spiritual parenting. It's an issue of spiritual parenting. Um, in other words, what we have around us and what we have a calling to do is to work out how we can be spiritual fathers and mothers to those around us. Now then, this is an interesting topic for today because it's Father's Day. Um, I, uh, as it's Father's Day, I want to honour all the dads we have in here and uh, want to do that by sharing, this is for all you uh, ladies who live with dads, a public service announcement which we've got uh, from the government. It's going to put it on the screen here. And it says, ladies, if a man says he's going to fix it, he's going to fix it. There's absolutely no need to keep reminding him about it every six months. <laughs> I mean, give the guy a break. I mean, we, we've got it on our list. It's going to happen one day. So there we go. It's Father's Day. And Father's Day is always an interesting day because our culture is one where there is an extreme level of fatherlessness. We're in a world which is deeply lacking fathers, both um, physically in people's lives, but also spiritually in people's lives. Um, I was reading about this recently, read a very thoughtful article, and one thing it pointed out was this. It said, we are the first generation in history that has extreme fatherlessness that's not been caused by a war. In other words, uh, it's down to the choices that are that have become normative in our culture and world around us. And what that feels like to me is actually, is both deeply troubling, but it's also it's a, it's a time of great opportunity for us as men and as women uh, in our culture. And, and the way you see this fatherlessness uh, expressed is in the confusion that so many people have in their lives. Just a great confusion as people searching for a sense of identity for a sense of um, belonging. Who am I? Where do I fit in? Uh, where is my home? Who can I be one of? And, and you see that expressed in lots and lots of different realms. Um, I mean, one example would be you see it in the whole kind of uh, rapidly evolving debates around sexuality and where, where people are getting to the place where they're just making up new words to try and describe how they understand their sense of sexuality, things that even just five years ago would have been words none of us had ever heard of. And what, for me, that represents is, is this kind of deep undercurrent that's going on in our world around us of people desperately searching for a sense of identity, desperately searching for a place where they can belong, they can feel accepted, they can feel loved, they can feel treasured and valued, and that they have worth and that they, are of, uh, they have a uniqueness about them that's precious and wonderful. And that's because they are made uniquely. All of us are made uniquely by God, and all of us have a... Have a um, have an intrinsic, incredible level of value and depth to us. 
Um, but the problem comes when we look for that in the wrong places. And that's why I think this issue of spiritual parenting is, is so important for us. Uh, and again, if we go back to think about how does the church respond, how do Christians respond, I think we tend to respond to these sorts of situations to, the, to colleagues, friends, neighbours who we see wrestling with these issues. We tend to respond in one of two ways. Uh, one way is we run away in fear, throwing pointy stones over our shoulders as we go, trying to, you know, somehow that's like representing Jesus. Or the other way we do is we go the opposite direction. What we do is we simply baptize everything that's going on around us in a vain attempt to, to look relevant. And I think neither of those are actually the responses that we need to have. What we need to have is a response where we respond, um, I would argue, in a more biblical manner, which is we learn how to spiritually parent those around us. We become the spiritual mothers and fathers to folks we have in our lives. Uh, and I'd want to argue that that's something all of us can be about, the, the spiritual parenting thing. And when we, when, when we spiritually parent for people, what we do is essentially, um, uh, as fathers and spiritual fathers and mothers, what we do is we demonstrate, because we love Jesus, we just model how to other, love other people well. So we bring that deep, our love for Jesus so shapes us that we get to demonstrate this um, boundless love of Christ that he has for everyone around us. Um, as followers of Jesus, we, we, we seek constantly to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And part of what the Holy Spirit brings us is he helps us to be holy people. And so we learn how to live holy lives in a way that's deeply enticing and deeply um, captivating for those who look on around us. People look at it and think there's something about that which they really want, they hunger for, they know that's what they were created to be like. And, and it's, it's, it's engrossing for people as they look onto this. And, and, and as followers of Jesus, uh, we learn to point to our Heavenly Father, to, um, uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, we, we kneel before our Heavenly Father from whom all families gain their name. And so we as followers of Jesus learn to be ones who have a real sense of, I have a father in heaven, and he knows me by name. And that is the, the unshakable anchor and foundation of my life and my identity and who I am and what I want to be about and what I want to be known for, that I'm a child of our heavenly father. And, and that's such an incredible depth and strength that we can have in our lives. And when I think about spiritual parenting... I want to suggest to you that it's not an age thing. It's not an age thing. Uh, it's actually something which every single one of us, I'm looking around the room, there's a wonderful breadth of age in here. So youngest to oldest, all of us can be spiritual parents in the situations we find ourselves in. We had a good example of that uh, last weekend. Uh, I don't know if you remember in the service, those of you in here, and um, Callie Tyler stood up and shared a testimony about how God had brought healing into her life. Don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that? Anyone remember that? And uh, then she prayed over those who also wanted prayer for healing. So she brought the Father's healing over people's lives. Just, do you remember, anyone was in, did it, raise a hand if you raised a hand last week and you were encountering the Lord in that situation. Okay, so there's several hands, that's wonderful. So that's someone who's a younger member of our congregation, just operating like a spiritual parent in that moment, releasing the Father's blessing of healing. And also in the same service, uh, we had a wonderful example of someone who is 
has walked with Jesus for many years. And that was Rich Rollins when he spoke. And it was like he brought, when he preached last week, I felt, obviously what he shared was great. But there was almost like something more than the words almost, just like this fatherly um, blessing and richness that came. I don't know if that how some of you resonated with it. And, uh, you know, there is something so wonderful about being with a seasoned saint, someone who's walked with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, we've all had encounters like that in our lives of men and women who've done that. So this is, this is not an age thing. This is a heart thing. All right? You can be a spiritual parent. You can be a spiritual mother and father to those around you. You don't call yourself that because that sounds pompous, right? But, um, but you can operate like that to those around you because you have access to our Heavenly Father and to His resources. And as we spiritually parent, what we do is uh, we, we ask the God for his father's love, his fatherly heart for the people we're around. So maybe if you're thinking of people right now in your life, neighbours, colleagues, friends, family members, whatever, uh, other kids at school, uh, just be th- what the, some, one of the questions I'd be saying is, God, would you show me how you view them? Would you show me your your fatherly heart for these people, these, these, these friends of mine. And I see them making dumb decisions. I see them searching for identity. I see them searching to be affirmed, to be loved, to be cared for. Would you show me how you view them? And I, and I want to promise you this. As, when we pray prayers like that, what God doesn't do is show you all the long list of naughty things they've done. That's not what we tend to focus on, because that's not our job. All right. What he will do is he'll show you things he likes about them. He'll show you aspects of the character you go, have you noticed this about them? He'll show you maybe a bit of revelation about maybe something of their story, just to give you a tenderness and a compassion for them. And um, perhaps an understanding or a glimpse into who they are and what drives them. And um, I find that when God does that, when I, when I allow him to do that, my heart softens towards people. And I feel like I have a just this love that's in me that enables me just to care for them and love them and to pray for them and to serve them. And I think that's one of the things that we could do. So if you're aware of people, you're thinking, oh, I wonder if, you know, that could be some focus in my life. I would encourage you just as you pray, say, God, would you show me your father's heart for this person and how you view them? Let me show, tell you a story of this happening in my life. I've got a photo of a couple here, um, a couple called Eileen and Norrie. And um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And when I was 15, uh, we'd moved house to a different part of the country just around that time. And um, I was in this process over a summer of the, Jesus was working in me. And uh, I was going to become a Christian that summer. I didn't know it. And uh, this couple lived very near us. They were, um, uh, so they were probably late 50s, early 60s at the time. And they adopted our family. My father wasn't really around when I was growing up, so it's myself, my mother, my three sisters, and uh, they just took us under their wing, and they, they were followers of Jesus, and they just loved us and cared for us and served us, and uh, they could spot Jesus was doing something in my life, and they persuaded my mum to send me on uh, a Christian summer camp, this fifth, ten-day thing, and that's actually where I committed to Christ and became a Christian, and, um, and when I came back, they just, um, uh, in my life, they became this anchor point 
this couple who had walked with Jesus for many, many years, the seasoned saints I talked about earlier, and they loved me, and they, they challenged me. I can remember them rebuking me about dumb things I was saying, you know. Um, but they, they just encouraged me and put an arm around my shoulder and nudged me in the right direction and helped me to learn how to follow Jesus and how to start to get a sense of identity in Christ. They, they showed me how to um, trust God as my loving Heavenly Father. And they were probably the first people who really started to minister that deeply into me. In fact, uh, uh, they did practical stuff. This Bible was the Bible they gave me uh, as a teenage boy. Um, and uh, you'll be pleased to know it's falling apart, which is always a good sign. Um, but they, they, just in very simple, practical ways, showed me how to, how to follow Jesus. And the way they did that, actually, very interestingly, is just kind of hooking us back into our original theme for today, is they did it particularly through hospitality. So they had a home uh, just obviously near to where we were, and when I used to get off the bus after school, I'd walk past their house. And they were always out and about, and they'd you know, stop and chat, and how was school, what was going on. Sometimes you know, I'd, I'd love to go into their house. Um, there was something about their home. I, I, I can tell you what it is now, but at the time I just thought, there's something about this place, and I love it. I think, is it a smell? No, it's not. It's more than a smell. It, it, it's like this feeling. What, what's that feeling? And, um, it, it, and I would say now it's because they yeah, were prayerful people and they prayed around their home and it was a home full of God's Holy Spirit. And so you go in and you just felt this embrace and this warmth and that's what they lived out. And, um, uh, that, you know, and I'd see them out walking the dog. They had a dog, we had a dog, you know, and we'd, they'd stop and chat. And they just... But they were just so hospitable and so welcoming into their lives. And uh, they shaped me. And they're not famous, um, but for me, they were a wonderful example of what spiritual parenting looks like. And there's something in that which I look at and I still think about them and think, I want to be that sort of person to the people around me. And I'm sure you do as well, yeah? You want, we want to be those sorts of people who, who, who love and who care. And... Um, uh, and, and one of the things I want to give you today as a practical step is uh, using the gift of our homes and our hospitality to, to be spiritual parents. Uh, because one of the things that we all have, we have a home, we have a place you, you own or you rent, um, and we have this space where in love and compassion we can draw people in, we can invite them in. And uh, we can, it, whether it's people coming in for a cup of tea uh, if you love them, that's what you give them, by the way. Uh, and, um, or it could be for a meal, or it's just stop, and you know, you just have a little bit of time together, come on around, it's easy. Uh, a glass of water, ice cream, big party, whatever the range is. Uh, but we have this ability to, to draw people in. And um, as we love them, as we're compassionate, as we serve them, at the same time, uh, the distinctiveness we have in Christ starts to shine through. We don't have to brag about our holiness. We should just live it and people will see it. And there'll be an enticement about that. There's something different about you. There's something different about... What, what's, you know, but we've had so many times people walk into our home who are not yet followers of Jesus and they'll go, your home is so peaceful. You know, and that's in the midst of three noisy teenage boys, you know. So it's not the silence they mean. There's something else. And uh, we can all do that. Uh, 
So we can learn to be people who are deeply hospitable. I know many of you are awesome at this, by the way. I know I'm, I'm teaching all of you how to suck eggs at the moment. Um, but let's be people who are very, very hospitable. Uh, one of the things that Hannah and I found helpful is thinking about the difference between uh, being hospitable, hospitality, and entertaining. So between hospitality and entertaining. Um, and I'll describe it like this. When you entertain, you're seeking to impress people. When you are hospitable, you're seeking to serve people. There's a difference. So entertaining people says, hey, come round, look at our house, admire our, our tasteful decor, our wonderful choice in food, how we've laid the table so beautifully, all the rest of it. And the focus is on me at that point. Oh, yes, we're so marvellous. We've got great taste. Yes, we're English. We, you know, we're much finer tasted than you Americans, all the rest of it. Um, <clears throat> and, and the focus is on me. Whereas hospitality says, um, come around, and yes, sometimes it might be a lovely meal, but sometimes it might just be a slice of toast, and it's all good. But what there is, it's the focus is on serving you, making you feel welcome, you comfortable. What can I do for you? What's the right thing in this situation? And another way of thinking about it is, I think entertaining puts things before people, whereas hospitality puts people first. So, for instance, the classic excuse, and... Um, uh, uh, I've heard many people say something like this, which is, we'll get you round once we've decorated the dining room or the kitchen's fitted out or whatever it is. And um, if you're feeling guilty because you've said that, we've probably all said something like that at times. But the problem is, that's a mindset of entertaining rather than hospitality. Because entertaining puts the things first. Whereas hospitality says, you know what, our dining room's probably never going to get decorated quite right. Why don't you come round anyway? We've got mess all over the place. Just come around. I'm sorry, yeah, the dog just vomited on the carpet. But come in anyway. <laughs> True story. All right, so... <clears throat> we've been in those situations. But you know what? In reverse, you might like... We'll avoid the dog vomit for a minute. But, you, but in reverse, isn't it lovely just to be welcomed in? And you don't have to put on airs and graces. And it's kind of just relaxing. Just come as you are. You can all breathe out. And you just all muddle in together. You know, one of the things which uh, we, we've done so many times, and, and I know many of you will do this, you know, we'll just get people joining in with us. So we don't ban people from the kitchen sink. We encourage them to do the dishes with us. Okay? And actually, I think that's part of hospitality. In other words, you're inviting them into your family. You're inviting them to be in a situation where spiritual parenting takes place. Because a lot of parenting takes place as you do the tasks of everyday life. You're hanging out together. Oh, I've got He's got to sort out his laundry. Come and join me as we do that. You know, we're, we're, we'll clean up together after the meal. We're, we're, just hang, you know, we're, we're just doing the stuff of life together. Does that make sense? Of course, sometimes you want to do something nicer, and that, that's good as well. But, but I think it's about, uh, I think what the great spiritual parents do for us, you go about the people who shaped you, is you just get to walk alongside them. And, and, you, and they embrace you, and they welcome you, and you, and you share in all, all the stuff of, of living life. Um, it's interesting. In the dictionary, the, ver the word hospitable comes between the word hospice, which means like a sheltering presence, and the word hospital, which is a place of healing. And I think if we're hospitable, if we're, we're people who practice hospitality, what we offer is the sheltering presence and healing of Jesus to those around us. And we get to do that. And so it goes back to that initial happy hour theme. You know, we've got so many friends, neighbours, colleagues who are desperately searching 
desperately searching for something more and looking for it in all the wrong places. And rather than judging them and condemning them, um, let's start to offer a different way where we can come alongside as spiritual mums and dads and love them and, and, and care for them and help them to experience the Father's embrace for them. Um, and yet also offer a different way as well as we live that out and live it out and hold out. It's in a way that's just so enticing, so welcoming. And we can use our homes and our resources to facilitate this. It's the everyday stuff of life that we get to do that with. And um, I believe that as we step more intentionally into that, God can do so much through us, and, and we'll get to change so many lives. Um, and uh, I just have a sense that that's part of what is cool is over us as, as a church family at this time, that you know, we, we, we do have so many tremendous people in this church. We do have a lot of people who are awesome at this sort of behavior, so um, let's maybe see if we could just take it to the next level of where we really grow as a hospitable community, where we grow as being spiritual mums and dads. Whatever age we are, whatever stage of life we're at, we can all do this. We can be people who, who release the Father's blessing over people who desperately need it. We can, we can be that voice that speaks the words of affirmation, the words of love that they've never heard. We can be... Um, that the hands that embrace them in a way that they've never experienced. We can be the ones who um, see the best in them and call it out. Even if it's just a little glimmer that's there, we get to spot that and speak that out in faith over their lives about who they could be. We can be that prophetic voice that says, this is who you were meant to be. This is how you were designed by our Father in heaven. And I know you probably not yet followed Jesus and it all sounds a bit weird, but I believe God wants you to know how much he loves you and how much he cares for you, how special and precious you are in his eyes. I think if we can go with that message, we're going to see so many lives transformed and impacted. And it, folks, it's just going to be so much fun as well. It's so much fun living like that. It's not high-pressure sales. It's the complete opposite. And uh, we can see so many lives impacted as a result.